0: James chapter 4, I want to speak this morning on a plan for life. James 4, I'll begin reading in verse number 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you? to judge another. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. A story I found regarding this whole idea of arrogance with planning. There was an officer in the Navy who had always dreamed of commanding a battleship. He finally achieved that dream and was given commission of the newest and proudest ship in the fleet. One stormy night as the ship plowed through the seas, the captain was on duty on the bridge, went off to the port side of the, uh, the vessel. He spotted a strange light rapidly closing with his own vessel. Immediately, he ordered the signalman to flash the message to the unidentified craft, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Only a moment had passed before the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Determined that his ship would not would, would take a back seat to no other, the captain snapped out the order to be sent. Alter ten degrees. I am the captain. The response beamed back. Alter your course ten degrees. I am Seaman Third Class Jones. Now infuriated, the captain grabbed the signal with his own hands and fired off. Alter your course. I am a battleship. The reply came, alter your course. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) We don't like to be told what to do, do we? Even when it makes perfect sense. No matter how big or how important we think we are, God's word stands as an unchanging beacon and an unchanging light in our lives. All other courses must be altered to fit the light that Jesus is sending out. Now, planning is a good thing. I'm not adverse to planning. I know there are people, I know there are Christians, who think we should be led by the Spirit. I believe in being led by the Spirit. But I firmly believe that being led by the Spirit means I could be led by the Spirit in planning for something a week before it happens and still allow the Spirit to have his way when the event comes around. I once heard a story of a preacher who said, I never prepare for any messages. I just walk into the pulpit, and before I, I preach, I pray, Lord, give me a message, and it comes. He came into the pulpit one day, And they were, well, he came onto the platform and the worship team was worshiping and he hadn't gotten a message from the Lord. He was getting a little nervous. Then the announcements came. Somebody gave those and he's saying, Lord, I need a word from you and nothing came. Then there was a special musical presentation. Someone sang a solo and he's in on the back of the platform asking God, I need a message. And nothing came. And the person who was going to introduce him to the pulpit came, was coming to the platform and he said, Lord, I need something now. And the Lord answered his prayer. And the word came, you are lazy. And he got up and gave a message that was rather contrite about not preparing. So it's good to prepare. We, I believe in planning. But it's also true that in our planning, in our preparations, if you leave God out, you are planning to fail. It's often said if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. If you leave God out, you're also planning to fail. Yet most people, even people in the body of Christ, will still ignore the Lord when it comes to their plans. Still walk as if their future is totally in their hands, where no idea could be more foolish. Ignore how frail and uncertain life can be. And if there is anything among the many lessons we all needed to have learned through these last 18 months of this pandemic is that life is fragile and can be uncertain. I'll never forget when I was first sent home at the beginning of the pandemic back in March of 2020. I was sent home as the only one from the office because back then, as the pandemic started, it had been centralized and localized to a couple of places. And one of those places was New Rochelle, major outbreaks there. And so we had gotten an email at work. If anybody had been with anyone who lives or works in New Rochelle in the past few days, let us know, and you're to go home. I didn't know how serious the email was, so I went to my supervisor and said, I just spent, this was a Monday, I just spent this past Saturday all day with someone who teaches at New Rochelle High. And he said, pack your things up, don't say another word, and I'll see you in two weeks. And that's what we figured. I got home, I started working from home, And we all said, I'll see you in two weeks. And I didn't go back into the office until this past August. That's how long two weeks lasted. Life can be uncertain. But taking that uncertainty and turning it to a sense of self-sufficiency is foolish. So I want to talk about planning for life, but from the perspective of how foolish self-sufficiency and self-dependency is. See, self-sufficiency in its core is planning without God. And again, there is nothing wrong with making plans. We should plan for the future. Plan, planning is preparing. What do I need? Trust me, my wife and I for the past number of days and weeks have been preparing for what would we need for St. James Day? What would we need to bring? What would we need to be able to give out? Just going through different things and lists to prepare for this day. Planning before acting is not the focus here. We're encouraged to be mindful. We're encouraged to be thoughtful throughout scripture. The warning here is to do any of this without God. To do any of this as if it all depends upon me and God doesn't factor into any part of the equation. The writer tries to get their attention by saying, come now, in verse 13. We live our lives like... Often, most people do, at least from what I've seen, tend to live our lives like everything else has to move around us to accommodate. Don't you realize how important I am, at least to me, that our plans and our will is the only thing that's unchangeable, that's unmovable? How many know when it comes to our plans and our will versus God's plans and God's will, our plans take a back seat? And it's difficult enough having this mindset with other people who believe their plans and their will come before anybody else's. But to have that attitude when it comes to God, we need to make God our first priority. Every time we make plans without God, we're asking for trouble. Every time we attempt to do something and don't take it before the Lord, we are flirting with disaster. Now, we've learned a lot of different vocabulary in the church. And people do things and then they'll say certain words. Basically what amounts to, I'm going to be doing my own thing and doing my own will in God's name. And we wind up walking ahead of God and walking ahead of his plans. And then when it falls apart, notice I said when, and when it falls apart, We wind up blaming God for the fact that we never went to him first to begin with. We want his blessing in the plans that we make. We want his blessing in the things that we prepare for. We want his blessing in the steps we're looking forward to taking. And if we want his blessing, then he has to factor in from the very beginning. Including including God means something a whole lot more than just Sunday mornings. He is your guide and a factor in your thinking each and every day in everything that we do. So when it comes to planning without God, that is a picture of self-sufficiency. Looking up to the heavens and saying, God, I got this. And God saying, no, you don't. You, don't you didn't have it yesterday. You're not going to have it today. Self-sufficiency, planning without God. Then in verse 14, he talks about self-sufficiency and failure to recognize the uncertainty of life. You know, I used to think it was only teenagers and young people who thought they were indestructible. Who thought they could go through life and do anything and they would never, they could just get up the next morning if they made a mistake, no matter how big it was and just be able to move on but I've just met too many people my age and even older who think they're going to live forever and although they may not say that, the way they live their lives proves it they fail to recognize how fragile and uncertain life can be I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence or sense of self-perspective but let me make something clear you and I simply do not know what is going to happen in the next moment we don't we'll be talking at work about something and someone will say how's that going to work tomorrow and I'll I guess I said it so often that they repeat it before I even say it I said I left my crystal ball at home And now that I'm home, I've got to find another place to put my crystal ball. That should not be a shock to anyone that we just don't know what's going to happen. But isn't it a joy? Isn't it a sense of peace and comfort to know someone who does know what's going to happen? So we go ahead and plan. We go ahead and prepare. But when your life comes to a place and it only can happen and it only can be fulfilled if it happens your way and we leave god's way out of it we're setting ourselves up for frustration for disappointment and for disillusion proverbs 21 verse number one says do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth How many people were planning for a pandemic in February of 2020? Nobody. And when it started, I remember the newscast. Let's just get into this for a few weeks, and then a few months, and then it just kept going on because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the impact's going to be. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But like the old gospel song says, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Now, there are two reasons why tomorrow is uncertain for us human beings. First, we are limited. Sorry to disappoint you, but we are limited. It's not just that you don't know tomorrow, you can't know tomorrow. We are limited We think we know things that we possibly can't know. Now, yes, after you've been in a relationship with someone for a long period of time, you may feel like you know how they're going to react or they know how they're going to say something. But I've had people I've known for decades. In fact, this past Friday night, I was with family members for the first time since we came out of COVID. I haven't seen them or been together with them in a year and a half, and it was wonderful. But I haven't seen them in a long time, and even before COVID, I hadn't seen them in a while before that. And how many people change over time? And so I'm with my cousins who are all about my age, and we're talking about different things, and it's amazing how people change. The people I thought I knew aren't the same. So the first thing is we're limited. And the second thing that the author of this book puts down is the reason we can't know tomorrow is that life is fragile. That should pause us and humble us because most things that I see in a store that are marked as fragile will then say somewhere, handle with care. And it just amazes me how many people do not handle life with care. We handle it in a harsh way. We don't handle relationships with care. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Just listen to most people talk to one another. We're not handling relationships with care. Life is short. I oh, don't know about you, but I'm planning to live 100 years. But when you measure that next to eternity, church, life is short. No matter how long you live, don't be deceived thinking you have plenty of time. So many people say, I've got time for that. You don't know that. I've got plenty of time to spend time with my family. Plenty of time to do things that I enjoy. Plenty of time to watch, up, watch my children. And when it comes to faith, you know what? I believe what you're saying. Jesus would probably be important in my life and make it better. But I've got plenty of time to come to Jesus. Today is the day to live for God. Today is the day of salvation. Then no matter when our life ends, if we make God our God today, it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. Because the same God who will be there tomorrow is the one we're serving today. And in serving him today, guess what? We will have fulfilled God's plans for our life. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that so many people wait to begin to truly live. And that truly living begins with Jesus. A life that is certain rests in God's hands. There have been many things that could have really gotten us off center. And we're human. We feel things. Let's not be unreal about this. But ultimately, we can come after we deal with our own human emotions and rest in the hands of God. A life that is certain is one that's resting in God's hands. A future that is certain is one that rests in God's hands. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how God's going to... Move in our church. I don't know how God's going to move in my life. I don't know how many years He's going to give me on this planet. But I do know one thing my future is in God's hands. And when my, my life and my future are in His hands, each and every day I can rest in Him. I can just rest in Him. Self sufficiency, planning without God, it's foolish. Self-sufficiency failure to recognize how uncertain and fragile life is, is also foolish. Then the writer goes on to say in James, self-sufficiency is not only not involving him, but intentionally failing to recognize him, to acknowledge him. I'll see you tomorrow. You don't know that. We've gotten used to saying around here, Lord willing. (laughs) Because that's what matters. Lord willing. Now, I will admit, I have thought many times, because usually on a Friday at work, we'll get on a call and kind of end the week and kind of plan the next week, and everyone says, I'll see you Monday. I've thought once or twice about saying, Lord willing. They wouldn't understand. And yet one of the things that would probably happen which shows the condition of someone's heart is if you say Lord willing, some people get arrogant about it. No, not Lord willing. I'm going to do it. Do you really think you have more power over existence than God does? If the Lord wills, that should be our approach to life. Not that I will do this or I will do that, but if the Lord wills, I will do this or I will do that. Leaving God out is not just foolish. James says it's arrogance. It is a declaration of independence from God. I will proclaim to the entire world. I am 100% every breath and fiber of my being completely and totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. We plan But we recognize God's higher power, God's higher will, and God's higher sovereignty. Now, it sounds simple, but can almost sound meaningless. But we must keep this perspective in our minds and in our words. So after this service, we're going over to our booth and table at St. James Day. Lord willing. (laughs) It's been already a long day. We started early. We've got a long day at St. James Day. Tonight, I am planning to go home and just collapse. Lord willing. (laughs) Now, it can sound comical to some, but it's an acknowledgement that every breath I take is in his will. Then, when I understand that, I can thank Him for every breath I take. You gave me this breath. You gave us this opportunity at St. James Day. You gave us this church. We can be here together on Sunday. You gave me this job. You gave me my family. We can thank Him because His will guides our lives. It's also not only a perspective, but an understanding. Our hopes and our dreams and our plans need to be evaluated in light of God's standards and God's holiness. Once a man stopped to talk to a farmer who was erecting a new building on his land. He asked the farmer, what was the building for? The farmer replied, well, if I can rent it, it's a rustic cabin. If I can't, it's a cow shed. We can say what we want to do with our things, but it's Lord willing, Lord blessing, Lord empowering. Psalm 19, verse 21, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. It would be wonderful, we think, if it was my will that guided the universe. Here's a little bit of profound wisdom. If any of our wills guided the universe that is the definition of chaos but it is the Lord's will and the Lord's sovereignty and the Lord's power that guides all things you know the verses in Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in some of your ways acknowledge him in all of your ways acknowledge him And he shall direct your path. In the original Hebrew, that last part's a conditional statement. We want him to direct our path. We need to then acknowledge him in all of our ways. Not compartmentalize how we acknowledge him, but acknowledge him in everything. Because he holds everything in his hands. Without him, we're nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. He alone is sovereign. The next point that the writer makes is self-sufficiency also is boasting. Hmm. And then he says, boasting is evil. That is, it is a person who boasts about something he thinks he has, but he doesn't really have it. Any person goes through life without God is just like that. He lives, he plans, thinks about all the things he controls for the future. Then how many know in one moment he can be proven how much control he he or she does not have over life? How totally wrong we are when we say, I guide my steps. I lead my days. Instead of focusing on God's will and our plans... We often arrogantly boast as though we could control our own destiny. And the sad part is boasting is pride. It's pride. Psalm 52, verse 7. Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. To make plans leaving God out of the equation is pride. No matter how you slice it, no matter how we word it, the pride is sin. If you think you, st- you can take God out of the equation, that's sin. Because the bottom line, self-sufficiency is sin. It's not just a wrong attitude. It's not just unwise. It's not just an unfortunate way of thinking that leads to not good days. It's not just an immature perspective. Boasting and living in self-sufficiency is sin. Having an attitude that I'm all I need makes you an enemy of the almighty God. It's a striking definition of sin. To know that we should do something, James says, and refuse to do it. And the thing we know we should do is to put every breath, every plan, everything we'd like to do in the hands of almighty God and ask him, what do you want me to do? Refer immediately to the text. And there's no excuse. We limit sin often to specific acts. Well, don't do this. That's sinful. Don't go there. That's sinful. Don't watch this. That's sinful. Having an attitude of self-sufficiency is sin. James says, knowing what you need to do and not doing it is sin. We know lying is sinful, but it's not just a sin to lie. It's also to know the truth and not tell it. I love it when God gives you examples even just late at night before you preach a message. Yeah, I'm going there. We were late at night last night going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. For him, not for me. McDonald's makes me sick. And it was busy. 1130 at night. It was very late. And it was real busy. Long line. So I put in the order. I go to the window, have my card ready. The woman gives me the two drinks that were ordered, gives me the bag of food that were ordered, and says, have a good night. And the look on my son's face was, what just happened? So I looked at the woman and said, um, would you like me to pay for this? Oh, 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 uh, yeah, sure. And I gave the card. <laughs> the thing was, it was, all the food was for my son, and it was his card. So I'm sure in many situations, although I know he was raised right, other people would have wanted, well, Dad, just kind of drive off. But the minute I got the card back and we're driving away, I said to him, you know I was going to pay her. Because that's the truth. That's what we need to live like. It's not just a sin to lie. It's a sin to know the truth and not walk in the truth. It's not just a sin to backstab someone and talk about someone, but it's also a sin to not reach out to someone when you know they need a friend, when you know they need someone. It's not just a sin to disobey, but it's also a sin to act in this arrogance about God's guiding hand to make decisions without seeking God's will in it I've shared the story about when God guided us to this church our state overseer Steve Smith had called me and he was excited Hiram I got this wonderful church I want you to consider becoming the pastor of I want you to he gave me the particulars it was Calvary Church of God in St. James I knew Chris for many years um, it was wonderful. He was so excited. And I was like, okay. And he, it's like he wanted an answer right then. And I told him, well, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. He called me April 8th of 2019. I got back to him five weeks later because I wanted to pray about it. Yes, it sounded wonderful. All of you are wonderful. Being a part of this church is an amazing experience and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But even things I know are going to be good, I know are going to be wonderful, need to pass by the throne room of God before I step into them. And someone would say, but what could go wrong? Everything could go wrong. To fail to seek God's will because maybe you're afraid the answer might be no? Well, then that's definitely a reason to seek his will. To know what God's answer is and to go in the other direction anyway. That would have been sin. And isn't the Bible clear that the wages of sin is death? Self sufficiency is planning without God. It's failure to recognize the uncertainty of life and failure to acknowledge God in all that we do. It's boasting. It's bragging. It's arrogance. Church, it's sin. So the next time someone says to you, What are you doing tomorrow? Tell them. Whatever you have planned, tell them. Just stick in there somewhere. Lord willing. Lord willing. We're going to have an amazing time at St. James Day. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Because it's not just that we acknowledge his will, but church, we seek his will. I know his will is the best for me. It's the greatest joy for me. No matter what I think should happen, God's got better. He can bless me in ways that are far above what is my capacity to even entertain. So we need to seek God's will and seek it not only individually but together as a church. There was another time when someone sought God's will and put God's will ahead of what he might have wanted in the physical. And that's what we're celebrating to now, uh, now in Holy Communion. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked his father an honest question. Hey, Dad, is there a plan B anywhere? Do you have another, is there another way other than this cup coming before me? And we don't have any record of the answer other than him saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And he did that for you. Because you needed a savior, I needed a savior. He did. He followed God's will because of a need we had. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and.